Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. An all-outlet. They hit him as he likes to go. The ball comes out. The ball comes out and it's picked up. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are running it back. The Jags are going to run it into the end zone. Josh Allen scores a touchdown. Josh Allen is running back for a touchdown for Jacksonville. That was Frank Frangie on the call. Jaguars radio. What, a little over 48, a little less than 48 hours ago. My goodness. What a win for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they have advanced for the eighth time in franchise history to the postseason. They have won their fourth division championship. They will play only their second home playoff game in the last 23 years. And for the first time in 28 seasons, the Jaguars will have a home prime time playoff game this Saturday night. With that, welcome in to a Monday night edition of Hacker After Dark here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM with Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green with you. So glad you are with us as uh, what a night Saturday night was for this city. What a night Saturday night was for that organization. And what a night Saturday night was for everybody involved with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That will be the overwhelming topic on our show tonight. Of course, they are deciding a college football national champion tonight. I will tell you this, five and a half minutes into the game, Georgia is already up 7-0 on TCU. Max Duggan has just fumbled the ball, and or I'm sorry, TCU has just fumbled the ball, and Georgia has recovered. So this potentially could get out of hand pretty quick. As we know, Denmark, it just means more Indeed. in the Southeastern Conference. Not that I'm necessarily rooting for Georgia. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying it just means more. As the dogs up seven nothing with the ball in TCU territory, again if they go up fourteen nothing, seven or eight minutes into the game, look out. This could be a woodshed situation out there at the national championship game. Here is what the guest lineup looks like tonight. Coming up in less than twenty minutes, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com, as we will review the Jaguars and the Titans, the AFC South Championship and take a look ahead to the Jaguars and the Chargers. In the 9 o'clock hour, Ryan O'Halloran, formerly of the Times Union, formerly of the Denver Post, now with the Buffalo News. We'll get my buddy Ryan O'Halloran on to look not only at the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, and the way things have gone here the last two months, but we'll take a look at the AFC playoff picture with Ryan O'Halloran and at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour. It is Monday night. That means Monday night coaching with Campo. My man Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, will stop by to talk Jaguars and Chargers. But as we do, every night here on Hacker After Dark, we kick it off with a big deal of the night and Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. 
Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? No big deal. It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. I'll tell you what I thought was a really big deal. And I don't know how many of you guys have seen this. It made the Jaguar, the official Jaguar Twitter handle. I would imagine it was on the Jaguar Facebook page. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. The locker room celebration on Saturday night with Doug Peterson and the players, right? Your normal celebration, the head coach addressing the players. Everybody is unbelievably fired up. But then in the course of Doug Peterson's speech to the guys, he grabs a couple of game balls. He hands one to Tony Khan. He hands the other one to Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now think about Shad Khan for a moment. Think about how unbelievably successful that man has been in life. Think about all the accomplishments, business-wise, everything he's achieved, everything he's done in his life. And when you watch that video in the Jaguar locker room of Doug Peterson handing the game ball to Shad Khan, the emotion on that man's face, what it meant to him to have this thing turn around for the better, That was cool to see, man. That was really cool to see. When Shad Khan bought this team, what, 11 years ago, roughly? I guess a little over a decade ago now. I mean, the bottom line is he could do whatever he wanted with it. He bought the team. He could do whatever he wanted. Los Angeles, London. It was Shad Khan's world. We were living in it. But Shad Khan kept the team right here in Jacksonville. Not only did he keep it here in Jacksonville, he put two of the most gigantic scoreboards on planet Earth on both sides of that stadium. He put swimming pools in that stadium. He enhanced the locker room and the player experience for the players and the personnel. They're now building that brand-new football practice facility down there. All the things they've attempted to get passed that didn't for whatever reason, but things are being passed now. Shad Khan's done an awful lot for this city, and he's done a ton for his organization. But there was criticism on him, and it was warranted. The team was terrible. And Shad, I think, had made some bad decisions, and I blame that. Look, I don't know Shad Khan very well. I've talked to him a few times, but in the conversations I've had and just my opinion on the matter, I think Shad Khan was loyal to a fault. He trusted guys that he thought were good football people that that weren't, right? I mean, think about it. Gene Smith and Mike Malarkey, year number one of Shad Khan's tenure. Yikes. Oh, man, yikes. Gus Bradley, decent enough guy, terrible coach, head coach. Dave Caldwell, don't even get me started. How that man got a second contract, I'll never know. I chalk it up to loyalty. Shad Khan being loyal to his guys. The Urban Meyer hire, look, at the time, you can say whatever you want now. At the time that Shad Khan hired Urban Meyer, 
This city was fired up. You know you were. I was too. An overwhelming majority of you listening right now were fired up about Urban becoming here. Now, it turned out to be a disaster. It turned out to be a Freddy Krueger-esque football nightmare here in Jacksonville. And then you hire Doug Peterson. You retain Trent Baalke. Remember the grief you were giving shot over that one? We talked about that last week. You know why the clowns that you guys put on the avatars on social media had mustaches? Shot Khan has a mustache. I mean, let's let's be honest. That's what it was. A lot of criticism towards the owner. I never thought the criticism towards Shad was fair. I thought the win-loss record of him as the owner was fair. That was factual. I thought the hires that he made were questionable and fair to be criticized. But people coming after Shad, again, I think he was loyal to a fault. And is that necessarily a bad thing? I don't know. That's for you to judge. Shad Khan was not Rachel Phelps for Major League. That was always one of my favorite ones that people would say. He just hired guys that he thought were right for the job. That turns out they weren't. And then he hires a guy named Doug Peterson. And he retains a guy named Trent Baalke. And all those guys have done is completely turn this roster around, go from 3-7 and seven in the season being over to 9-8 and eight, to an AFC South championship and to the fact that you're hosting a primetime playoff game for the first time in the 28-year history of this franchise. So I think on Saturday night in that video in the Jaguar locker room, not that he needed any weight off of his shoulders, again, with a successful as Shad Khan has been, he did not need to get a weight off of his shoulders. But I think there was a weight that was lifted, a weight off of his shoulders. Finally, after a decade plus of owning the team, he saw the environment in that stadium that he had hoped for. He sees a product on the field that he's hoped for. And unlike 2017, This is sustainable. This is going to be around for a long, long time. You know what this is? Dare I say, you look at Peyton Manning, 1999 in Indianapolis, his second year in the league. Now, they went 13-3 and that year, but if you look at the numbers, Peyton Manning's numbers compared to Trevor Lawrence's numbers in year number two, Trevor has better stats. And Indianapolis completely ran the regular season portion of the NFL for about a decade with Peyton Manning at quarterback. I don't know if Trevor's going to do that necessarily, but primetime games, national exposure, postseason appearances, hopefully some postseason wins, hopefully some runs in the postseason. That's coming, man. It is coming. And I think the relief you saw on Shad Khan's face, the happiness on Shad Khan's face, he's been at the bottom of where you can be as an NFL owner with people criticizing you. Again, Shad hasn't been criticized a lot in his life. You kidding me? What are you going to criticize that guy about? He's unbelievably successful. But he had not been successful as an owner in the NFL as far as 
wins, losses, correct hires, that sort of thing. The Jaguars are making money. Obviously, London's been unbelievably beneficial. There were positives in the ownership run, certainly. But on the field, not so much as of now. But that has obviously changed in the last two months. So congratulations to Shad Khan. Congratulations to Tony Khan. Because they hired the right head coach. It appears they retain the right general manager. And that head coach and that general manager have put a roster together that won the AFC South and that has a primetime home playoff game for the first time in the 28-year franchise history of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now let me get to the fans, you guys and gals. Saturday night was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Whether you were in the stadium, whether you were in all the sports bars across this city, I can't tell you how many people that I either knew, people that worked at various sports bars, no matter the part of town, town center, Tinseltown, beaches, Mandarin, you name it, packed with people going nuts for the Jaguars. And then, of course, the 70,000-plus that were inside TIAA Bank Field. That looked and felt like the late 90s. For those of you that aren't old enough to remember, when the Jaguars were fresh and winning games, 96 through 99, that was normal. Monday night, 97 against Pittsburgh. Oh, my goodness. The block field goal. Monday night football against Miami. When Tony Baselli is telling Jason Taylor to come on down for the extra point. There was a Sunday uh, late afternoon game, I believe, against Tampa that was ridiculous as far as the environment. Those things were normal back then. And I've said this repeatedly over the years, and and you can disagree all you want, but you and I are just not going to see eye to eye on this. I don't care if it's Pittsburgh. I don't care if it's Chicago, New York, Kansas City, Buffalo, even Green Bay. I don't care what fan base it is. If your team is awful for 15 years, save one, 2017, if your team is awful in 14 out of 15 years, it's going to take its toll on any fan base. If your team is consistently picking in the top 10 every single year because you're consistently losing double-digit games every single year, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, wherever, it will take a toll on the fan base. And that's what it did here in Jacksonville. People were over it, man. Loss after loss after loss after loss. It just got tiring. Tiresome. Done with it. But now you see, like you saw in 2017, and like you're seeing again now, what happens when this team is functional and what happens when this team wins some games. That stadium on Saturday night, was unbelievable. The stadium this Saturday night is going to be unbelievable. 
And it's fun to see, man. You guys, you gals, you Jaguar fans, you have suffered long enough. You have been in the black hole, the never-ending black hole of Shaq Harris and Gene Smith and Dave Caldwell and Mike Malarkey and Gus Bradley and Doug Marone and Urban Meyer. And now finally, finally, here in 2022, we not only have something that resembles an NFL team, because a few of those years in the last 15 did not resemble an NFL team. It did not look like NFL football. I remember sitting in front of this microphone time and time again saying, you know, look, I watched the Bills and the uh, Patriots or the Chiefs and the Raiders, and the game just looked different than a Jaguar game because it was. I was actually watching pro football with those teams. In 2012, 2013, 2014, I don't know what the Jaguars were doing. It didn't resemble pro football. But yeah, you fans were still there, that core 45, 50,000. And whether you're on the bandwagon, I could care less at this point if you're on the bandwagon. Jump on for the ride. Or whether you're a Jaguar fan that is coming back, or whether you're a Jaguar fan that's been there all along, it does not matter. Live it up, man. 18 football teams have been eliminated. Only 14 teams remain, and only six teams have home games this weekend. And you, Jacksonville, Florida, are one of those six. Again, only the second home playoff game in 23 years, and the first playoff home game at night in team history. It is going to be amazing, and we are going to dissect it from every angle. The Jaguars and the Chargers, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. It's the best game of the weekend. I know everybody's going to talk about the Cowboys and the Bucks. Yeah, whatever. 49ers, Seahawks does nothing for me. Ravens, Bengals potentially could be good, but the Ravens are so banged up. Bills, Dolphins, eh. Vikings, Giants, eh. Chargers, Jaguars, maybe I'm biased. You got two of the top six, seven young quarterbacks in the league. Actually, two are the top six or seven best quarterbacks in the league. Going at it prime time on Saturday night. That is going to be amazing. Denmark, let's do a little uh, this just in as we have some news in the college football playoff title game. This just in on Hacker After Dark. All right, maybe I spoke too soon. It does mean more, Denmark. However, Georgia now with a 10-7 lead on TCU. About six minutes to go in the first quarter. The dog settled for a field goal. TCU drives the length of the field, punches it in for the touchdown. Georgia 10, TCU 7, more than midway through the first quarter. Coming up next, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Let's talk Jags-Titans. Let's talk the AFC South Championship. And let's look ahead to Jags-Chargers. As always, Jacksonville, we are streaming for your viewing pleasure on YouTube. Search 1010XL on YouTube. You'll see Hacker After Dark there till 10 o'clock tonight. Also on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see the show streaming live there until 10 o'clock this evening. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you, 
Jacksonville, so glad you're with us on a Monday night. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com, next on Hacker After Dark. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. It is playoff time in Duval County. The Chargers and the Jaguars Saturday night. You'll get the game right here on 1010XL. Let's talk to a man that's been with the Jaguar organization from the very first kickoff. His name is Brian Sexton. He is with Jaguars.com, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Brian, how we doing, man? <laughs> well, you know, just about like you'd expect. Uh, enjoying this ride, and um, and I hope there's a lot of folks who have not experienced this who are enjoying this as well. Brian, you've seen every game in that stadium. How would you summarize the scene last Saturday night? Um, it's right there with the very best. Um, you, you, you think about Monday Night Football when Clyde Simmons blocked the field goal. Uh, that was the night of Mark Brunel's return in 97. First ever appearance on Monday Night Football. That was incredible. I thought the building was going to come apart. Uh, you, you talked about early on in the AFC championship game against Miami. I mean, it was over before halftime. So the crowd was whipped into a frenzy early and then it, it subsided because you knew the game was essentially over. Um, I, I can remember the, the Monday night uh, nine to nothing game here in 2006 when they beat the, um, beat the Steelers. And, and of course the playoff win here, you know, late when Jalen Ramsey made the play to secure the win against the bills in 2017 uh, and of course, I mean, the Falcons at the end of the, the 96 season. I mean, it's it, because it's so fresh, Ryan, it feels like it's the best. I'll tell you this. I went down to the field for postgame with Fred and we were down there for the final three minutes. And it was as good as it's ever been. Maybe better. And I'll tell you this, Brian, what's the talk always that if this team wins, this city it, it explodes and you saw it in 2017, you saw it in 2007 go back to the late 90s as you mentioned and that again came to fruition I mean I mean look down times I'm not sure how many NFL cities are going to have full stadiums I mean you you lose 10 years in a row it's probably going to be a lot of what we saw here in Jacksonville in any NFL market but a game like that for the division was an incredible atmosphere and what I loved Brian is Tyson Campbell Josh Allen Trevor Lawrence the guys out there playing talking about the atmosphere and how it felt like they were back in their college days yeah it was it was it was special and look I mean you're talking about the smallest market in the league uh with one of the biggest stadiums for so many years it was a really big ask to be able to fill that and you've got you got empty seats all across the league these days it's the cost of the ticket it's the quality of the um of the product on tv it's it's fantasy football there's a lot of different things um, but when you get the stadium number right, and it sounds like they're working on getting it right for a new uh, idea of what the stadium is going to be, uh, this place will be full week in and week out. I- I've said it since the very beginning. Ask anybody who knows me. I've always said this has the potential to be the Green Bay of the South. It's a football town in a place where people not only can watch their team, but interact with it in ways that you can't in New York, Dallas, and Los Angeles. It's a special football town, and I think over the next decade, we're going to prove it. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, I'm not going to you know, say that I didn't. I was critical of Rayshon Jenkins 
last year coming in on that free agent contract. I, I thought at times last year he did not play particularly well, even maybe early on this year. But good grief, uh, the last two months, really the last month, I mean, you want to talk about franchise-altering plays, the pick six against Dallas, what he did in sacking and stripping Josh Dobbs to let Josh Allen pick up the ball and score to win the game Saturday night. I mean, Rayshon Jenkins has made two plays that will be talked about here in Jacksonville for a long time. Well, let's be clear. He, I mean, he's a hero now because what I'm about to tell you, people might not get. The Titans went after him, right, because of his aggressive nature, because he's not a coverage safety, right? He's a guy that plays near the box and makes big tackles. And they had him running sideline to sideline. And a lot of those early third down and three and fourth down conversions were his fault. I mean, they were able to pick him and make a play. And yet, when the biggest moment needed to be made, who got it? Rayshon. Because he's a special athlete, because he's got explosiveness, because he's got length, because he's got intensity, because he's got a love of the game. Um, that play, I mean, I'm struggling to think of plays better than that in Jaguars history. Defensive plays, better than that in Jaguars history. It was as good as it gets. And I, I think he's really a, a personification of this Jaguars defense. You know, they're not a, a lock-you-down kind of unit, like the Titans have had for most of this season, or the San Francisco 49ers. You know, they've bent more than a lot of us would have liked to have seen at times. But especially over the last five weeks, Ryan, they have broken their opponent with back-breaking, game-changing takeaways. You realize, a year ago, they had nine takeaways. Nine. That's incredibly bad. They increased it 300% this year. They finished with 27 in the regular season. So this is a, a defense that bends and bends and bends and then makes a play. And there's nothing bigger than Rayshon's play the other night. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are like, Rayshon Jenkins, oh, my God, Rayshon Jenkins. It, it, it's famine for a time, and then he has delivered a feast in key moments this year. And, look, I'm a firm believer in football or any aspect of life. If you wait long enough, things have a, a chance to come full circle. And when Rayshon Jenkins made that play, I was waiting for the whistle. Uh, and it didn't come because you think back to Miles Jack wasn't down in New England, you know, back in January 21st, 2018. And this time, the officials kept their whistles in their pockets, and the Jaguars got the score and ultimately won the game. And it was almost like a full circle moment. Now, I get it. AFC Championship compared to AFC South Championship, stakes were a little bigger in 2018. But I think you get the point, Brian, that the officials could have blown that whistle, and we'd be having a drastically different conversation right now. Yeah, AFC South Championship game with the play happening at the feet of Bill Belichick. You think maybe that had something to do with it? <laughs> uh, no, hey, look, officials are human too. And give them credit. They learn from that mistake, and they have made a, a point of emphasis to officials in this league, hold on on these kinds of plays. Now, don't be so quick to blow the whistle. We can always go back and correct it in replay. Let it play out, and then we'll see. And, uh, and that's exactly what they did. And so it did come full circle, and it is the Jaguars' time to benefit from a play like that. And um, I, I have to tell you this quick story. So I'm in the, in the West Club during the game doing the stadium show with Fred, and with three and a half minutes to play, I closed my laptop, resigned to the fact that Derrick Henry's just going to keep pounding out four yards and eat up the clock and leave them with no time. So I wrote my quick thoughts. I closed it, put my laptop in the bag, Fred and I got on the elevator and I thought, well, you know, this is going to be a tough one to explain. We get to the bottom 
And that elevator moves just slow enough that when the doors opened, we heard a thunderous roar. And I turned to Fred and I said, something changed. And we went screaming through the hallway to get to the field. And we missed the actual play live. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was, it is a moment that I will always remember sprinting out onto the field through that tunnel and seeing the stadium erupting. Um, and that, 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 that eruption, that jubilation, that emotion spilled out of the stands and it covered all the players and people who were down there. It really, there's not enough adjectives to describe what a special night that was. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. I'll tell you this, Brian, too, something that kind of caught me off guard. You guys do such a good job. I mentioned this on the uh, fifth quarter program this past week. You guys do such a good job at Jaguars.com capturing the moment, the players coming off the field, the locker room. And when Doug Peterson presented the game ball to Shad Khan, to see the emotion on Shad Khan's face. I mean, the guy's a billionaire. The, the guy has uh, businesses all over the world. The guy, we, we know how accomplished he is. But what Saturday night looked like it meant to Shad Khan was something very, very cool. You're talking about a guy and his wins, right? You know, Flex and Gate and, and all the companies that he has succeeded with, they're very public. Um, the losses, right, the, the failures, the things that didn't work, and as anybody knows, those probably outweigh the number of successes by a factor of two to one, are, are very private. Well, it's the reverse in the NFL, where every failure is incredibly public. And, of course, it's been held over his head since he took ownership of this club, I think it's 11 years ago this month. He has not had enough moments like this. The fans have not had enough moments like this. So I think he's worn it, and I, I, you can tell – by the big checks that he's always willing to write in free agency. And, and the big check he was willing to absorb to make a change a year ago and get Doug Peterson as the head coach. The guy wants to win in the worst way. And so that emotion really felt, it, it almost came through the camera at, at the viewer. Um, it, was, it was sensational and, and I, I couldn't help but think, because he was talking about he was speechless. And he didn't know what to say. He'll know what to say in the future because I think he's going to have these kinds of moments on a more regular basis with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. I think everybody, Brian, at this point now, you take a deep breath. We're 48 hours roughly removed from the game. And now you begin turning to the playoffs. And amazingly, 28 years of Jaguar football, this will be the first primetime playoff game at home in Jaguar history. They played at Pittsburgh on the road at night, at New England on the road at night, but they've never had a playoff game at night at home. And I cannot begin to imagine what it's going to look like in that stadium on Saturday evening. Well, I mean, I can because I saw it at the end of the game last week. I think it's going to be like that plus some. You know, what's really incredible is that if you go back to that AFC title game that they lost here to those Titans, there's only been one home playoff game, one in the 2017. So over the span of 23 years, we've only seen one home playoff game. They could play this one at six o'clock in the morning. And I think that you would see that kind of a scene, Ryan, um, because it's been so long and there's an entire generation of Jaguars fans that don't know what a home playoff game really looks like. 
and you look at the six games this week, and nothing against the other games. They're all great with great storylines. I mean, the national attention is going on Dallas and Tampa, and I get it, the whole Tom Brady thing. But i got to tell you, Brian, Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence, the up-and-coming Chargers against the up-and-coming Jaguars. I, I Maybe I'm a little biased, but I don't think there's a better game wildcard weekend than the one we're going to have here in Jacksonville, Florida. You think the flowing manes of two six foot six quarterbacks on prime time has um, has NBC excited about it? You're talking about two guys who, besides being physical specimens, um, are four thousand yard passers, twenty five touchdowns apiece. Both completed at least two thirds of their passes this year and had a passer rating of ninety three or better. I mean, you're talking about two exciting young talents. Um, and week three really means nothing. That was a beat up team that uh, the Jaguars went out and beat. Not to take anything away, that was a big win for Doug Peterson's team. But they're different. The Chargers are, and this team is different. So I think you throw all of that out and you start looking at matchups. And I'm going to tell you this: I think that the Jaguars, a, a divisional matchup against the Titans, with everything on the line, and knowing that people were there to watch you win and to exercise the demons of the Titans. I think the Jaguars play tight, and I, I'm sure you would agree, and people who were here would agree that you, you kind of felt the tension on the Jaguars' sideline. I don't expect that at all next Saturday night. I expect the Jaguars to come out great guns blazing, and this is going to be a shootout. It's going to be a shootout because the Chargers can put points up. We've seen the Jaguars over the second half of the season become a team that can put points up. I mean, I think this is going to be modern, offensive NFL like we've never seen in Jacksonville. And the winning team is going to be the one where the defense comes up with a big sack strip, like we saw last Saturday, or a fumble recovery, or just one more takeaway or break of the offense's serve than the other team. I, I, if this thing is 38-35, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Final moments here with Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. All right, Brian, I've had a couple of people text me this, a couple of buddies that are season ticket holders, and and I'm not saying I completely disagree, but I want to get your thoughts. Look, you're three and seven seven weeks ago. You have a miraculous comeback to not only win the division, but win it in the fashion you did Saturday night, and your AFC South champions for only the second time ever in that division's history. Is everything now cherry or the hot fudge on top of the ice cream the the gravy on top of the mashed potatoes are they playing with house money or do you think fans should not think that way well everybody gets to think it in their own way right i do think that they've exceeded expectations this year i thought seven wins would have been a really amazing story i mean think about this right today is january 9th and a year ago today the jaguars beat the colts and then had to wonder, who's the coach going to be? How is this thing going to go forward? How long will it take for them to overcome the disaster that 2021 was? Well, we know now, a year. One year, and the turnaround has been incredible. You go to the locker room, they don't want to hear anything about exceeding expectations because they think they can do something in these playoffs. Hey, more power to them. If it ends with a huge win, keep it going. If something happens and the Chargers leave here with the win, Still, man, they turned this ship around. I've used this analogy before. You know, it takes three miles for a cruise ship to turn around, right? Big, long cruise ship. It takes time and distance for them to safely turn all the way around. Well, I mean, 
what was this team? It was, in 2021, it was the Titanic. And they got this thing turned around in one year's time. And if you need validation in the playoffs, then hang on that. But what I see is the beginning of a golden age of Jaguars football with a coach and a quarterback that is going that are going to lead this team into contention year in and year out. You saw it firsthand, the, the, the Colts of the early 2000s, every year, somewhere between 9 and 11 wins or better, and, um, and they were in contention. I think that's what we're headed for here. All right, Brian, leave us with this. I know playoff time is crazy down there at the stadium. What do you guys have coming up on Jaguars.com? True. Gosh, I, I just got done with Jags Wired for Wednesday night. Um, and, and they're shooting this. You know what it is? It's the same stuff, but there are more demands. Because when NBC comes in and they, they bring their prime time, you know, they want little bits and pieces of everything you do, whether it's sounds of the game or, or wired, because they want to use it and feature it in their programs. Uh, the great folks over in the UK, I mean, they're looking for content that they can use to promote the Jaguars in the playoffs throughout the, um, you know, the greater London area and through the UK. So it's a lot of what we do, and it's just more of it, and more people are, are seeing it and hearing it. Um, I'll tell you this. As of right now, we've got Tony Dungy lined up to join us on Jack's Drive Time, uh, which airs at 9.30 on you know Facebook, YouTube, all that, on Wednesday morning. I mean, are you kidding me? Dungy? <laughs> How much fun is that going to be? Um, so it's, it, it's, it's a lot of really good stuff. And, of course, what we try to do in everything is be better the next week with new ideas and new angles and, and new storylines than we were the week before. And I think our stuff from this weekend is really damn good. So hopefully we have even better next week. There's no doubt. I was telling anybody that would listen to me, the little teaser that was put out about the end zones being teal, the winger yeah. deal with the towels, the Leon, my goodness, the Leon Searcy uh, deal that you guys put on Twitter to get people fired up for the game. It was all fantastic, spectacular, and we can't wait to see Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, everything with Jaguars Digital, what's going to happen over the next couple of days. Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Brian, I said this to you last week. Let's say it again. Let's go win a game this weekend, and let's you and I do this again next Monday. Buckle up, baby. I'm ready. There you go, Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. Appreciate his time and what is a very busy week down there. At the stadium, getting ready. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Our pregame coverage will begin at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, and the national guys are coming back in. NBC this time around. Al Michaels back in the booth for NBC. Al Michaels and Tony Dungy on the call for the Jaguars and the Chargers. The uh, Georgia Bulldogs right now in the college football national championship game are just absolutely giving TCU the beating. 24-7 Georgia. This is a conversation for tomorrow and later in the week. In fact, I'll have Matt Hayes tomorrow. We'll have Brent Beard later in the week. We'll do more college football recapping the season beginning tomorrow. Barring a huge comeback by TCU, again, we're only midway through the second quarter, and it's 24-7 Georgia. Raise your hand if you think... TCU is going to come back and win this. I am not raising my hand. Um, Stetson Bennett is going to be 29-1 and 
as a starting quarterback with two national championships. Where is he when you talk about the best quarterbacks in the history of college football? 29-1 and one with two national championships? Good grief. I know he's not the uh, flashiest guy. I, I don't think that he will be considered among the greats, but he should be. He is absolutely the most accomplished and, you know, quite frankly, probably the best quarterback to ever play at the University of Georgia. All respect to David Green, to Fran Tarkington, obviously, Matt Stafford, Aaron Murray, on down the line. But, and maybe I'm too much of a nerd numbers wise, but 29 and one, two national championships, if they hold on to this one tonight, that is insanely good. And by the way, Stetson Bennett is having a heck of a game tonight. He just ran in a score for the dogs to make it 24-7. He had a 37-yard touchdown pass earlier. He is playing a heck of a ball game tonight for Georgia as they look to win back-to-back national championships. More in the world of college football. We'll keep you updated on the scoreboard between Georgia and TCU. Coming up next, let's take a look at the AFC playoff picture as a whole. Jacksonville and L.A., Miami and Buffalo, and of course Cincinnati hosting Baltimore. What does the AFC playoff picture look like here on Wild Card Weekend? That's next, Hacker After Dark on a Monday, right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Almost at halftime here on Hacker After Dark. One hour down, one hour to go, Jacksonville. We are with you until 10 o'clock this evening. You know, it's interesting. Today is what? Black Friday is what it's for. Black Monday, rather. And Black Friday. They don't go shopping today. Black Monday is what it's referred to around the National Football League. But it truthfully wasn't very active today. Cliff Kingsbury shown the door in Arizona. Boy, how uh, quickly did that spotlight fade on him from a couple of playoff appearances to see you later. That was a quick deal. Uh, Houston, this is a great story. I I got such a chuckle out of this last night. So, Lovey Smith of the Texans convert a fourth and 20 to get within one of Indianapolis, and then they go for two in the win, and they get it yesterday. And then he's fired last night. Now, obviously, the Houston Texan management knew they were going to fire Lovey Smith before that game was played yesterday. It was obvious, right? They fired him mere hours after it was completed. So what are they thinking on the sideline as a guy they're about to give a pink slip to Goes for two and the win, gets it, and costs them the number one pick in the draft. My goodness. Now, look, they have the number two pick, so, you know, instead of Bryce Young, they'll get C.J. Stroud or vice versa. But I just thought that was hilarious. You knew you were going to fire the guy hours after yesterday's game was completed. But you have to watch him go for two and the win and get it and cost you the number one pick in the draft. 
So Houston's open. We know Denver was already open after the Nathaniel Hackett nightmare. And we know Arizona's open. Carolina was open. Still is. That's four. We still don't know about Sean McVay and the Rams. They're not going to fire him, but there's legitimate thought that Sean McVay want to step aside. I mean, he's 37 years old. He's got a Super Bowl already. Sean McVay can do anything he wants. But to my knowledge, those are the only openings. Now, could stuff happen later? Sure. Right now, only four head coaching openings, which is a very low number. I guess when you have such a big number that you had last year, what was it, nine, including Doug Peterson last year? I guess the law of averages would have told you that it was going to be a lower number this year. But to my knowledge, unless I'm missing one, in the NFC, the only jobs that are open are Arizona and Carolina. And the only jobs that are open in the AFC currently are Houston and Denver. You did have some coordinator firings, including the Tennessee Titans firing Todd Downing. I know a lot of Titan fans that were celebrating that earlier today. So Tennessee not only lost here on Saturday night, but Mike Vrabel fired four assistant coaches today, including their offensive coordinator. So it is a changing of the guard in Tennessee. They got to hire a GM as well. Keep in mind, the Titans fired their GM midseason, so they haven't had a GM for the last two months. So they'll hire a GM. They'll have to put a new coaching staff in place. Vrabel remains, but certainly Tennessee is much, much different now personnel-wise than they have been in quite some time. So the playoffs are set. Saturday, 4.30, Seattle goes to San Francisco. Well, how about Detroit ruining Green Bay's season last night? Great job by Dan Campbell. Great job. Even though they didn't get in, Detroit going 9-8. and eight. Awesome. So Seattle at San Francisco on Saturday. That's the 4.30 game, of course, right here in Jacksonville. Jaguars Chargers, the late game on Saturday. Monday, or uh, Sunday, rather, 1 o'clock. Miami goes to Buffalo. How about the news today? DeMar Hamlin released from the Cincinnati hospital, basically transferred to a Buffalo hospital to continue his treatment, but he's going back to Buffalo. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you see yesterday, literally the first play that Buffalo had was an opening kickoff return for a touchdown with DeMar Hamlin reportedly watching the game from his hospital bed and tweeting out on social media. I can't tell you exactly what he tweeted out because this is terrestrial radio, but it was let's go, but there were a couple more things in the middle of that. It was OMG. Yes. It was good stuff from DeMar Hamlin. It's a great story. And can you imagine sometime, hopefully sooner rather than later, not as a player yet, that's a conversation for on down the road, but when he's released from hospitals and he'll be able to 
make an appearance in some capacity at that stadium in Buffalo? Can you imagine that environment? Oh. Then you got the Giants going to Minnesota or Sunday at 4 o'clock. Sunday night football, Baltimore at Cincinnati. Second game, those teams will have played in seven days. And then Monday night, I get it, Dallas at Tampa. I'll tell you this, too. I hate the Monday night playoff game. I hate it. If it was the Jaguars, I would be all sorts of fired up. It's not fair. You basically take two days of prep time away from the team that wins that game. I get it's TV and it's all about money and all about ratings, but I hate it. But it looks like it's here to stay. At least it's in year number two. So you got Dallas going to Tampa Monday night. But of all those games, of the six games on the super wild card weekend, as they call it, I think the best game's right here. Maybe I'm biased, but I think the best game of the weekend is right here. Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. Let's talk NFL. Let's talk Trevor, Doug Peterson, the Jaguars, and the AFC playoff picture with my man Ryan O'Howard. And formerly of the Times Union right here in Jacksonville, formerly of the Denver Post now, he is with the Buffalo News We'll talk Jaguars, AFC playoffs, and more with Ryan O'Halloran next on a Monday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Hello. Another great guest on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. It is playoff time. The Jaguars and the Chargers Saturday night. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Let's go to a man that's covered the National Football League for many years, including a couple of those years right here in Jacksonville. My friend Ryan O'Halloran now with the Buffalo News. Ryan, it's been a while, bud. How are you? A good hacker, and, and, and it was six years in Jacksonville. Six it, years, wow. You know, a couple of those years felt like a sentence. <laughs> yeah, and of course, you uh, had some great times here in Jacksonville. I know, exchanged many pleasantries with the uh, likes of Jalen Ramsey and the crew. And, and Ryan, look, I want to get into the Jaguars and certainly want to get in to the AFC playoff picture, but you are in Buffalo now, and, and obviously what that city and that organization has been through over the last week or so is un- unbelievable from what could have been in a horrible way with DeMar Hamlin to now it appears that things are certainly pointing up and that he's communicating with the team on Zoom calls. I mean, Ryan, what has the last week been like there? Well, it's it's been um, – it, it hasn't been a roller coaster of emotions because I think each day it's trends up. And, you know, Monday was obviously a, uh, you know, a harrowing night. Tuesday, there was the unknown. Okay, now the news starts coming out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and now as we talk on Monday. So I think the fact that there's been positive reports about his condition has helped the, te- helped the team get ready for the game and then uh, help them, you know, uh, you know, take it seriously to win that number two seed and beat New England on Sunday. And look, you know, w- I don't even know what you would call it, but the fact that on the first play after DeMar Hamlin's situation yesterday in that game against New England, they returned that kickoff for a touchdown. I mean, are you kidding me? What a moment there in Buffalo. 
Yeah, and you know, from our view, you can sort of see the opening and that kick return set up, and it's like, holy crap, he's going to score a touchdown. And, you know, a great way to start that game. But, you know, the Bills were trailing 17-14 in the third quarter when he did it again. He was only the 11th guy to do it, uh, two kick return touchdowns in the same game. So they needed all that because it was pretty much a sloppy game, and you know, which can be a little understandable. They didn't practice a lot, had all, all this other stuff on their mind. But, you know, they got Miami coming up on Sunday in the, in the wild card round, so I expect them to be ready to go. Ryan O'Halloran of the Buffalo News. We'll get back into the Bills and the AFC playoff picture in a moment. But, Ryan, I know you've been keeping taps down here in Jacksonville and Look, uh, Doug Peterson from his time in Philadelphia, we knew the type of coach he was winning a Super Bowl. But my goodness, Ryan, what he inherited from that nightmare with Urban Meyer here last year, and even starting 3-7 and seven this year, just seven weeks ago, to the Jaguars now being 9-8, and eight, winning the division and getting ready to host a playoff game. I mean, how would you summarize the job Doug Peterson's done here in year number one? Well, he's been terrific, and, and you hit it. The bar was set so low. Uh, that it was going to be easy to overcome. I didn't expect nine and eight. I thought a, a progress season would have been six and eleven, you know, seven and ten. You know, when they lost to the Broncos in London, and I covered the Broncos for the first two weeks of the season, they're terrible. Uh, and I'm thinking, okay, what is Trevor Lawrence? I mean, you do not see the improvement in the defense. Okay, where are the answers? Where are the playmakers? They spent a lot of money. They used a lot of draft capital, and you know, but. They got some. They got some things going. You know, the Detroit loss uh, was concerning. They say, all right, well, they had a nice little couple of weeks there. You know, they'll they'll play out the string, but they they have uh, they've made plays on defense uh, when they needed them, and they really needed them against Tennessee because it uh, it looked like a skill position set of players and an entire offense, quite frankly, with the Jaguars that was on the stage for the first time, and many of them that was the case. You know, Ryan, it wasn't that long ago that you were here covering the team, and I'm trying to think, guys that were here when you were here that are still here, Cam Robinson, I think, Dewan Smoot, although both of those guys are on IR now after injuries, and the point I'm getting at is this roster has been completely just turned over in the last yeah. two or three years. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, my last game was the AFC title game in January of 18. Um, you know, I love for Denver a couple months after that. And I think maybe, maybe Shatley is the only guy. Yeah. Shatley would have been uh, here. That's right. Yeah. So and Tyler would be the only one I recognize there. So, but when you lose and you have, you know, two changes of a staff in, in a calendar year, that's going to have a roster turnover and, and the, in the draft, it doesn't produce the, the needed uh, reinforcements. You got to start going outside to get replacements for them. But it, uh, you know, it's been, a, it been a positive step for the Jaguars and let's face it. You, you have to take advantage of the state of this division. Tennessee, ravaged by injuries, no backup quarterback. Houston, complete joke. Indianapolis, complete joke. Uh, seized opportunity. And I thought they played throughout the game Saturday night pretty tight, um, and but they survived. And I think they, I think they should be, you know, play more freer against the Chargers on Saturday night, having had that experience against the Titans. You know, one of the topics I brought up earlier today was uh, call it divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. Your last game was Miles Jack wasn't down. And on Saturday night against Tennessee, boy, the officials could have blown that whistle, Ryan, very, very quickly. And they decided not to. And I know the NFL has really worked to encourage them to let it play out. You can always change it via replay. But it was a coming of full circle moment for this Jaguar organization because a similar play in the AFC title game 
was blown dead Saturday night against Tennessee. It was not, and you saw the result. Yeah, the, the Jaguars really didn't start whining about that Miles Jack play till like three months later. Uh, I don't remember being a big talking point in the locker room after that game. Um, but to your point, they, they let the play play out Saturday night. And, you know, one of the interesting things about that is, okay, if the initial call would have been incomplete, then it probably would have stayed that way. Um, so, you know, they, they picked up the football. And, and to me, that's the only way the Jags were going to win was a defensive touchdown or a short field like that. They, I mean, the way the offense was going, they probably would have kicked the field goal to tie the game. Now you're going down to the wire. But I mean, you, you've you seen this defense. I thought I thought Muma, uh played well against the run. You know, uh, I thought Walker did some good things in the second half, although the stat sheet may not show it. And, and then you get the big uh, Josh Allen touchdown. So that's to me the most encouraging thing if you're a Jaguar fan going into the playoffs because having seen Justin Herbert a bunch of times in person, he is terrific. Now he's got a lot of his healthy guys back, and I think they're very uh, – the Chargers should be favorite, but uh, I do think it's going to be a close game. Yeah, Derrick Henry Saturday night did get 109 yards but it took him 30 carries to get there. A couple of more for Ryan O'Halloran of the Buffalo News. Ryan, you've covered a lot of quarterbacks. You've seen a lot of quarterbacks during your time covering the National Football League. What do you make of Trevor Lawrence? Well, um, yeah, I think you know, him taking care of the football, I mean, he, he was not great Saturday night, but he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't hurt his team with turnovers like Josh Dobbs did. Um, I would give him a little bit more help and protection on Saturday night. They did a lot of five-man pass pro. He was having to throw off his back foot most of the game. And, um, you know, they they probably knew they weren't going to be able to run it that well against Tennessee because that's the only thing the Titans defense does well or did well. So um, I think this experience is only going to um, help him because – you know, but you're going to hear people talking this week. Well, Trevor Lawrence has been playing in big games since he was in high school. So what? You know, what he did in high school, what he did at Clemson does not does not equate to instant, you know, instant success or assumed success in pro football. There have been a lot of college quarterbacks who won national championships who didn't do anything in the NFL. So I look at this experience for Trevor Lawrence this week as only a positive and but also whenever the offseason starts, knowing that there's still a bunch of work to be done. You know, and me, I'm not trying to be biased here, but I guess maybe I am being a little biased. I look at the six wild card games this week, and I get Dallas and Tampa. That's going to get all the pub. It's America's team against Tom Brady. But I also look right here, and you mentioned Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, the up-and-coming Chargers, the up-and-coming Jaguars. Ryan, that should be a lot of fun on Saturday night. It should be. And, you know, to me, you know, you know far be it for me to – talk like if I was a columnist in Jacksonville, but to me, (laughs) Herbert Lawrence is the storyline for Saturday's paper. You know, this is two guys who've been uh, first time in the playoffs. They're facing each other. Who knows? They may face each other again down the road. So two terrific young players. And you're right. And what you get from this expanded playoffs with the seven, two matchups is you have not gotten competitive games the first two years. And I, I think San Francisco will handle Seattle. That's why that's a day game. And I think Buffalo is going to handle Miami. That's why that's a day game. So I think the two two of the best matchups are, are Chargers-Jaguars. And I think Giants-Vikings is going to be a very good game uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, so you know, if in terms of entertainment value, I think the league recognized uh, Chargers-Jaguars and put it into that Saturday night uh, spot uh, by design. And, Ryan, you look at the AFC playoff picture, and it's just amazing. Between Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, and Lawrence, I think all yeah. four of the, or five of those guys are 27 years old 
or less. I think Mahomes is the elder statesman at 27. I mean, that that's insane to me. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson, who may or may not be playing, he's a former MVP in this league at 25 right now. So, I mean, the AFC is just loaded at the quarterback position. The the teams have done a nice job, you know, drafting them, but also developing them, surrounding them with good players. And I think right now, uh, Cincinnati is a three seed. Right now, they're my favorite in the AFC because um, they have every answer to the question in terms of their offense. With the three receivers, you see them throwing to Hayden Hurst, the Jacksonville kid. Kid. Jacksonville guy more often and I think Burrow is just sensational so um, if it's a if it's a you know if it's a chalky uh, first weekend you're looking at Bengals Bills Jaguars Chargers at Chiefs uh, so two more good matchups but yeah to me the AFC is just uh, stock full of quarterbacks where you look at you look at the NFC and it's like Geno Smith and it's a couple young guys and Kirk Cousins and you know obviously the greatest of all time and Tom Brady so um, I the, the, your hit on the head there is the AFC just has so much star power at the quarterback spot Ryan O'Halloran of the Buffalo News Ryan what was the reaction in Buffalo with the league's decision about the neutral site AFC championship game if it does come down to Chiefs and Bills well, the league didn't think Buffalo would have a reaction because we weren't invited to the conference call on Friday. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, we weren't cool enough to do that. Um, I think I think it was it was fine. I mean, what Buffalo didn't want to do, and I started my column in the day's paper, this, at least they don't got to go back to Kansas City. If they face the Chiefs, it will be on a neutral field, you know, maybe Atlanta, maybe New Orleans, that kind of thing. So I think it was the best of a – uh, unfortunate situation, and and, and I think playing uh, uh, the Chiefs on a neutral field is better than having to go to Arrowhead, which is what they would have had to do if the standings were, were the uh, tell-all and how they seeded the teams. Ryan, we'll hopefully catch up with you before the Super Bowl, but obviously a lot will transpire between now and then. Who do you like in the AFC? Who do you like in the NFC? Yeah, um, in the AFC, uh, I think that uh, I am going to pick the Chargers this week, um, so they'll go to Kansas City. Um, I think it'll be a rematch in the AFC title game, Chiefs versus Bengals. I think the Bengals will win again. And then on the NFC side, I think San Francisco is absolutely rolling right now. Um, so I, I think the, the 49ers will emerge. They're going to win at Philadelphia in the NFC title game. So it'll be uh, 49ers-Bengals for the third time in Super Bowl history. Ryan O'Halloran of the Buffalo News. Ryan, know you're busy, man. Always appreciate the time. Thank you very much. It's been far too long, brother. We'll talk again soon. Okay, Hacker. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. All right, here's what we need. I know one of the best wrestling broadcasters of all time, good old JR, Jim Ross, lives in the Jacksonville Beach area. We need to get him and we need to get the Alabama football team right now. And I don't know if there's like a speed jet that can get him out to Los Angeles quick enough, but we need the lights to go out. When the teams are coming out for the second half and we need Jim Ross on the PA and the lights come back on and we need to hear Jim Ross say, by God, that's Nick Saban's music. Bryce Young, Will Anderson, Alabama is here. Might make it a little more interesting in the second half because right now this is a joke. Georgia 38-7 over TCU. And do we have Denmark what Kirby Smart said? 
going into the halftime locker room. Oh, that Georgia is not a good third quarter team, and TCU is really good at the third quarter, so we got to watch. Yeah, yeah. Kirby Smart, I guess ESPN gave him talking points. So people still watch this game in the second half. You got to pump the ratings, Zach. We're not a third quarter team, and TCU is. All right, well, you're up 38-7, and you get the ball first to start the third quarter. So congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. That will be another national championship for Kirby Smart. It'll be another national championship for the Southeastern Conference. Because after all, ladies and gentlemen, in the SEC, it just means more. And it certainly does tonight. Again, I said this earlier, Stetson Bennett's going to be 29-1 and as a starting quarterback with two national championships. That's a resume that not a lot of college quarterbacks have. He won't get the talk about being the best college quarterback ever, nor do I think he needs to be in that conversation, but he needs to be in the conversation of, well, all right, he's obviously the best quarterback that's ever played at Georgia, or maybe the most accomplished quarterback. And when you compare resumes of college players, starting quarterbacks at that, you start 30 games, you win 29 of them, you're a Heisman Trophy finalist, and you win two national titles. It's a pretty good two-year run for Stetson Bennett. Georgia Bulldogs, 30 minutes away from back-to-back national championships. And you wonder, last year will be the last, or last year, next year, next year will be the last year of the four-team playoff. And if you're going to have blowouts in this, What are you going to have at the 12-team playoff? Well, I don't care because at least with the 12-team playoff, you'll have more games to watch, more compelling games. And this is really a letdown, to be honest. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care who wins. So if you're going to blow it out, just blow it out. That's right. That's a good motto for different facets of life. Uh, That's one I completely agree with. But after such good semifinal games... TCU, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State. Probably the best day of semifinal games we've had in the playoff era. We get this in the title game. Again, congratulations to Georgia. This game is over. Coming up next, it's Monday night on Hacker After Dark. That means Monday night coaching with Campo. My man Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Let's talk Jaguars. Let's talk Chargers next on Hacker After Dark. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. It is playoff time in Duval County. For the first time in five years, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be playing in a playoff game, and they will host a playoff game this Saturday night against the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's talk about all of it with my guy Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL and Hacker After Dark. Coach, how we doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. What a what a weekend. That was a, a great uh, finish to, to the season and uh, just extremely exciting for this city 
and for the organization and the players, obviously. There's no doubt about that. And let me say again, thank you. We had a late, late fifth quarter uh, Sunday morning from about 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., but you really brought it, and we certainly appreciate that. Well, you know what? Uh, it, it, there was no way I was going to miss it, and uh, I'm, I'm sure there's no way I'm going to miss this next one. But, you know, the interesting thing is I had – four or five buddies text me afterwards and said, man, that was a great show. So <laughs> they were, I didn't even know they liked football and they were, they, they were listening at three o'clock in the morning. So that tells you what this community, what it means to this community for the Jaguars to be successful. Coach, great teams find ways to win differently. And the Jaguars offense was bad in the second half. And we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but despite that, they found a way to win the game and a vital game at that, a playoff-style game, and certainly that continues, I guess, to show the growth and maturity of this team. Absolutely, because, you know, the, the mantra earlier in the season from the coaching staff and from us, uh, quite frankly, the whole time was, you know, the games were close and we were finding ways to lose them. Now, all of a sudden, uh, the turnovers have, have jumped up you know, three three games, uh, you get a, a, a interception for a touchdown, and then two games in a row here, you get a fumble recovered run back for a touchdown. So, you know, this team is is at a point now when, when the game is close in the fourth quarter, they're finding ways to win it, whether it's going for a two-point play at the end or turning the ball over. You know, you used the term belief a couple of weeks ago, the team believes, and they're losing a game that would have ended their season with three minutes to go on Saturday night, and they found another way to win, just like they went for two and beat Baltimore, just like they beat Dallas after trailing 27-10. to 10. I mean, old Jaguar teams aren't doing this. This is a completely different guard here in Jacksonville, and they amazingly are just finding ways, no matter the circumstance, to come from behind in these games. Yeah, a lot of that is confidence. You know, confidence that, that somebody's going to make a play. Confidence that, that uh, you know, you hear it all the time, you know, after a ball game, uh, one of the players or the coaches says, you know, we just needed, you know, somebody to make a play. And when I'm sitting up in the press box, you know, and the game's down the line and, and, and it's close and it's tight, the first thing out of my mouth, and, and Rick Ballou, who sits next to me, and Mia on the other side, can attest to the fact that the first thing comes to my mind that I say is somebody needs to make a play right now. And that's the mantra of a veteran football team. Uh, normally, this is a young team that's doing it, but a team that believes that there's something going to happen in the ball game that's going to allow us to win this thing. And, you know, it doesn't always happen, but, uh, you know, this team – uh, is kind of special that way. I think they really believe in the coaching staff. They believe in the players on the team. I think it's a close-knit team, and I think that's a credit to Doug Peterson and his entire coaching staff. Monday night coaching with Campo. My man Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, here with us on Hacker After Dark. Coach, the narrative this week will be this team has no playoff experience. Uh, that's true in words only. Last Saturday was a playoff game. How much experience do you think this young team gathered by that game that will help them on Saturday night? Well, I, I think it will, it will show them that uh, no, no game is too big. 
you know, you have to play every game the same. You play it within yourself. You know, really, you've heard me say this, I know, a number of times. Uh, you know, it's it's not how many big plays you make. It's how many bad ones you avoid. And, you know, when you're in a situation where the game is on the line from the beginning, you know, the game is not too big. You just do what you do and make plays that you're supposed to make and don't make bad plays. And I think this team realizes that. I think this was a good experience having that ball game because it proves that the game's not over until it's 0-0-0 on the scoreboard. And really, uh, that's the key to playing good football. If you believe you're going to get it done right to the end, there's a pretty good chance that you might be able to get it done. There is no doubt Saturday night, Coach, the defense won that game. Boy, Rayshon Jenkins has just been a force. Uh, Josh Allen, the last month, has been a force. Why is this defense playing so much better now than, say, they did in October or even early to mid-November? Well, about the middle of the football season, I think uh, it it really was a learning experience for uh, Mike Caldwell. Uh, from the standpoint that that uh, they simplified things a lot, uh, they they really you know you, you got to know your players, you know what they can handle, and you know once the game is simplified and the game slows down, it helps both the players and the coaches. It helps the coaches from the standpoint that when you're not doing a whole bunch of different things, when something happens to you, you can immediately address it and know what to do to fix it. When you're doing a bunch of different things, it's hard to put your finger on where you're really hurting and how to fix it. It's the same thing with the players. The players, the game of football is won on the football field by guys playing fast and playing uh, confidently that they know they're going to be in the right spots. And that's when it started. I'm not sure if it was after the Denver game or you know, somewhere along the line, I actually texted. Bob Sutton, who was the uh, the uh, the defensive assistant, uh, senior assistant, he asked me every once in a while, what do you think? I said, simplify. And that's what they've done. Former Dallas Cowboy head coach Dave Campo here with us on Hacker After Dark. Coach, before we get to the offense, uh, or actually before we get to the Chargers, I want to talk about the offense. It was not good in the second half, and it was really bad in the fourth quarter. The Jaguars won despite that. What did you see in the fourth quarter, and what can be done to change that around here pretty quickly? Well, first of all, I think the thing that started with, uh, you know, the the game is different from the first half to the second half uh, most of the time because you establish who you are in the first half a lot of times. In the second half, you adjust, and – what happened in that ball game, in my mind, was once it got to the second half, there was no question that we were not going to be able to run the ball and we weren't going to run the ball. So now all of a sudden, defensively, if I'm a defensive coach, I'm telling my guys who were playing off blocks and you know playing the run and then going to the pass, unless it was a third long, I'm telling our defensive front, go after these guys, rush the passer every down, and play the run on the move. And I think that's really what happened because all of a sudden the defense started beating our offensive line a little bit. And, you know, when the offensive line is in that situation with a good front like 
the Tennessee Titans have on defense, it's tough to stop those guys. And even our veteran guy, Sharf, had a tough time, you know, with, with those inside guys. There's some pretty good players there. And I think in the second half, they were, they were uh, teed up and ready to roll. And I think that's important to remember. I mean, people think the Titans were banged up, and they were, and they were without Ryan Tannehill on offense. But the defense was still Kevin Byard and Jer- uh, Jeffrey Simmons, and you mentioned Tart and all those guys. I mean, they had some boys there on the defense. So that was a good Titan defense the Jaguars were playing. And I, and I think, uh, you know, uh, again, that was not Trevor's best game by any stretch of the imagination. Not that he didn't do some good things because he made some really good throws, but it's the ones that missed. You know, that's that same thing. It's not all the really good ones. It's all the bad ones you make that hurt you. And, you know, he had a couple of misses that were really uncharacteristic, but some of that was there was some some pressure in his face a little bit. So uh, I think from that standpoint, the game uh, was, was not a good game from the beginning. I think the defense obviously won the game in the second half, they gave up a field goal, and then it was punt, punt, uh, fumble for a touchdown, and a da- out on downs. So they really came to life in the second half, our defense, and that made a big difference. We slowed the big boy down and, and made the quarterback be the guy to beat us, and he couldn't do it. All right, Coach, the Los Angeles Chargers come in Saturday night. Now, this is a rematch of a game in week three that was a lifetime ago. Tell you how long ago it was. James Robinson had 100 yards rushing in that game for the Jaguars back in week three. The Jaguars won 38 to 10. The Chargers were without some players, including Keenan Allen, who will be available this Saturday. What, if anything, can be taken out of that game three months ago and applied to Saturday night? Well, I think number one, the thing you could take away from it is that we have the the feeling that uh, you know this this team and is someone that we can handle uh, and that we can, you know, the Jags can go into this one with the idea that if we just got to take care of ourselves and our own business. I think, you know, the it's going to be a different game. The playoffs are different. It's another one and done job. And, you know, anything can happen in the football game. you got a, a quarterback on the other side of the ball that, uh, you know, is, is very capable in Herbert of, of making big plays. I think hopefully, uh, you know, I heard that Mike Williams got hurt. One receiver is better than two. They've got two that are really good players. Uh, and, you know, that gives them a, a little bit more than they have. And I don't think that they will, will take us lightly. So it's going to be a tough ball game. But I believe we can run on that uh, team. And when we can run with the football, I think our quarterback can make some plays down the field. And that's what's going to be important. You know, maybe this is just media guy talking here, but I'm curious, Coach. The Jaguars are coming in on a five-game winning streak. The Chargers yesterday inexcusably played their starters in what was a meaningless game. Look, if you want to get out there for a few series, I can understand that. The Chargers media on Twitter was losing their minds, particularly after Mike Williams went down. The first reports are back spasms. Uh, They think he'll be ready for Saturday, but who knows if he'll be – 100%, and the Chargers lost the game. So the Chargers are coming in off a loss with people getting hurt and people questioning the coach, and Jacksonville's coming in on a Mount Everest high after what happened against the Titans. Does that mean anything come Saturday night? I would certainly rather be in my shoes than theirs. 
Now, you know, again, the games all come down to matchups. And, you know, I'm going to have to look at the Chargers again to see, you know, where they're at at this point in the season, you know, with the guys that they've got in there. But uh, I, I feel like uh, the, the advantage is with us. They, they play a sad, uh, you know, one day less uh, off than we do. They played yesterday and playing Saturday night, and we played Saturday. Now, you know, we did the same thing last week, but the difference is then they have to travel across the country to play the game, which is, you know, tough. With us playing at home this week, that was an advantage. So, you know, th- th- there's a lot of ways you can look at it. Uh, I think they're a very good football team. I think right now we're a very good football team, especially if our offense is going on all cylinders. I do believe uh, that with their firepower that we're going to have to score more points than we did the, uh, this past ball game. So, it, you know, it's got to be complimentary football. And, you know, I think this team right now has a lot of confidence, and I think that's a real plus. You said something to me as we begin wrapping up with head coach Dave Campo. You said something to me on the fifth quarter. Look, you've been around the NFL for decades. You were the head coach at Texas Stadium, and you've worked for the Cleveland Browns organization. You've been in every NFL stadium known to man. And you said the atmosphere on Saturday night was one of the best ones you had seen. And and you would have to think that same energy, that same passion will happen again. It's the first night playoff game in franchise history, Coach. I mean, we're talking 28 years. They've never had a playoff game at night in this city. They're going to have one on a primetime NBC television stage on Saturday night. That place is going to be an insane asylum once again. Yeah, I hope so. And I'll be honest with you, it was the I went to the first tailgate party that I've ever been to over there in the uh, tailgate section. Yeah, with the uh, Bold City Brigade. I heard you broke oh. bread with them, Coach. Listen, I was part of the crew, and <laughs> and if 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 the, those guys are rolling again this week, which I I know they will be, that stadium will be wild again, and that definitely and again especially defense, defense uh, thrives off of the energy of the crowd, no matter whether it's high school, college, or or uh, the pros, you know that's. That's something that that uh, the energy and emotion and everything is more on the defensive side, a little bit more calmness and and, and things with the offense. And uh, that will definitely be to our advantage if we get the same uh, excitement and everything for this ballgame, which I fully expect. Coach, I know it's early in the week, and but I won't talk to you again until game time. By the way, we enjoyed it so much last week. You and I and Leon Searcy will be back for a Sunday morning fifth quarter from about 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., and I hope we're again talking about a huge Jaguar victory. What does your gut tell you? What's your uh, your Monday thought five days out from the Chargers and the Jaguars? Well, this team has shown me that they've got something inside, and I, you know, I don't know the San Diego Chargers like I've seen every game of this team, and I just have a feeling that this team has got something special going and I know that it comes down to matchups and it comes down to, you know, to, uh, you know, the who has better players. But I feel good about this team. And I think this first one is going to have the same excitement to it that, that the last one had. I feel good about our football get, team going into this game. 
He's our head coach here on Hacker After Dark, Dave Campo. You hear him right here. You also hear him on XL Primetime, and you hear him on the fifth quarter. And again, Sunday morning, two hours after the Jaguars and the Chargers go final, it'll be the head coach, Dave Campo, the Pro Bowler, Leon Searcy, and myself breaking down what we hope is a big Jaguar playoff win. Coach, have a great week. Enjoy the ball game, and I will talk to you early, early Sunday morning. I can't wait, and and uh, please don't text me that it's going to be a depressing uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was worried there, boy. Coach, in the fourth Hack, quarter. Hack, you're the greatest. Have faith. We're going we're gonna to get it done. All right, Coach. Love you, my friend. We'll talk to you on Sunday. All right. Thanks. And thank you to head coach Dave Campo. He's always our head coach here on Hacker After Dark as we talk Jaguars and Chargers. Saturday night, 8-15, the AFC playoffs return to Jacksonville, Florida. And for the first time in 28 years, the Jaguars will have a home playoff game at night in prime time as the boys from NBC come in and the Jaguars and the Chargers will get it on Saturday night. Of course, on the radio side, you'll have it right here on 1010XL with our pregame coverage on Saturday beginning at 3 o'clock. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for what has been a crazy busy Monday night. Every show this week will be crazy busy. That's what happens when you're a sports radio station in a market that has a team in the playoffs, and we are pumped about it right here on 1010XL. Again, thank you to Dave Campo. You'll get him also with myself and Leon Searcy for another special edition of the fifth quarter, two hours after the Jaguars and the Chargers go final this weekend. Thank you to Ryan O'Halloran, formerly of Jacksonville, now with the Buffalo News. Always enjoy getting Ryan on to talk NFL. Certainly um, unbelievable times in Buffalo with DeMar Hamlin. Really enjoyed Ryan's perspective on that and got his thoughts on the entire AFC playoff picture as a whole. So thank you to Ryan for hopping on tonight and Brian Sexton, Jaguars.com. He's been great with us here on Hacker After Dark over the last couple of weeks and uh, was great again tonight. So Brian, know you're busy. Thank you for taking time out to join us this evening. We will be back tomorrow night, our late night show. Are you kidding me? Where else would you rather be on a Tuesday from 10 o'clock to midnight than right here on Hacker After Dark? And we hope you join us then. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker Ryan Green and Jacksonville. Thank you for spending part of your Monday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific remainder of your Monday, and we will do it all over again on a Tuesday beginning at 10 o'clock. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.